back to 2017 for the Cleveland Browns? Not quite, ladies and gentlemen, or at least in theory, not quite. But with the carousel of quarterbacks that the Browns will have to go through for their first six games of the season, it might feel a little bit like that, won't it? That's right, ladies and gentlemen, the big talking point for today's episode of the podcast is Deshaun Watson. Everything from the allegations he received to the suspension he received to the appeal coming from the NFL directly. We're going to talk a lot about that. Then we're going to touch on Chris Boswell's four-year extension from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then we're going to give our thoughts and a little bit of recap on training camp at St. Vincent College for the Steelers. Hello and welcome back to the podcast Two Steelers fans in a pro football world. I am Zach. And I am Dill. And we are here to bring you all the news from the NFL, USFL, and XFL from a Pittsburgh Steelers fans perspective. But starting out today, we actually have some Cleveland Browns news. Our rivals to the West have a very interesting quarterback scenario. Uh, Deshaun Watson, as many of you know, uh, had a lot of allegations against him. 23, I believe. Something like that. 22, 23. Uh, I think on their official thing they listed as 22, but there were a couple informal ones as well. Also, some stuff that he settled outside of court. Yes. Uh, But roughly 20 or so allegations of, uh, I believe... It was sexual misconduct in assorted massage places. Or massage parlors, excuse me. Yeah, he went to. I don't know if there was like one location primarily that they were in. I'd probably Houston because he played in Houston, but there were a lot of women alleging the same things against him. So yeah, uh, he had a lot of allegations against him there, and uh, they that was the reason why he didn't play in Houston, and I uh, seek the trade. He was traded to Cleveland, and uh, that's where he is now, and. So he was suspended because of those allegations for six games to start the season. And so, look, we're not here to give our personal views on exactly what should have gone down, what we believe should have gone down, whether he's innocent or guilty. That's for the courts to decide. That's not for us to decide here. But we are going to break down uh, everything that's been said regarding that, uh, at least from an NFL standpoint, as he's missing six games. NFL is going to appeal to try and get more games added to that because uh, it was settled by a third party to come to the original terms of the suspension. So we're just going to break all of that down and then also give our thoughts about if it is the six-game suspension, what will that mean for the Cleveland Browns and for the rest of the NFL? So our take on this is going to be under the assumption that nothing changes and that it stays six games for Deshaun Watson. So, um, yeah, no, my thoughts about it, it's it's going to be rough for the Cleveland Browns. I mean, look, they went into this. They were stoked about getting Watson, which my biggest going way back to when they first traded for him. I still I never got it because you had a major player and maybe not a major player. I mean, we've bashed Baker Mayfield 100 times, but you still had a guy that took them to the playoffs that gave them their first winning record in, I mean, nearly forever. Like, why Why would you get rid of this man not even two years after he took you to your first playoff berth in seemingly, I mean, freaking franchise history? And what more, they got rid of him on a year where he wasn't even playing 100%, too. Exactly. That year he played, so he got hurt in the, I don't know if it was the first game, but it was one of the first couple games of the year. I believe it was hurt. actually a second game. What's up? I believe it was actually the second game. Okay, so we're going to go under the assumption that it was the second game. So he gets hurt in the second game. Uh, he sat a couple games, but then he came back. 
his shoulder was still injured. That whole, I think it was the upper, like somewhere in the upper left area of his body. It was still hurt. He actually tore a muscle. I believe he, we heard that he tore his labrum. Yes, that's what And it was. I remember talking to my parents about it because it was leading up to our first meeting with the Browns. My parents were like, there's no way he starts. It was actually because my mom had him on a fantasy league. And Why would you ever draft Baker Mayfield in fantasy? She's, she's not very good at fantasy. Clearly. Yeah, and so she had him on, a, on her fantasy league, and she was asking me and my dad's professional opinion about whether we think he would play, and we said no because the man had a torn labrum that was not repaired yet. Like, why would you play with that, let alone on your throwing arm? But I mean, it's worth noting that that torn labrum, he needed to get surgery on it, and he pushed the surgery back so that he could play the rest of the season, which in a way shows commitment. Uh, I'm going to touch on the injury just a little bit. I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent. So, I mean, he tore it. He pushed off the surgery. I mean, props to Baker for, like, thinking he could push through it. But if you're the Browns organization, you need to say, like, dude, that's not not happening. Like, that's not even so much as, like, a – because here's the thing. If – whether he plays or otherwise, you're not going to do good because he's hurt, so he's not going to be playing at 100% capacity. And – Whoever's backing him, I don't even know who they had backing him up at the time. Case Keenum. Case Keenum. Okay, well, Case Keenum is actually not he's, terrible. He's but, not like, terrible. you're not going to win. You're not going to get to the playoffs with Case Keenum. And as evidenced, you're not going to get to the playoffs with a hurt Baker Mayfield. So at that point, ownership just needs to say, you know what, Baker, take your surgery, take the time off, we'll come back next year even stronger. That saves everybody in Cleveland the headache. And you know what? I, we've said it earlier. Why would you get rid of a guy at this time when he, again, he didn't play full strength, but also why would you get rid of a guy who cared this much about the organization and about the team that he pushed back a surgery that, I mean, if he wasn't careful, this could have ended his career, but he did it so he could have tried to win games for this team. And I understand the whole, like, oh, he was a headache in the locker room and all that stuff. And, you know, some guys are like that. And I'm going to make this comparison, even though I know it's two wildly different franchises, Steelers had Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown in the same locker room for, what, five, six years? And they still made it to the playoffs most of those years. Had a very good shot at winning championships those years if it hadn't been for Bill Belichick. Quote Pittsburgh dad. I'm going to throw that in there so I don't get copyright striked. But, I mean, you know what what I'm saying. Like, franchises like that have dealt with big personalities like that. Obviously, Cleveland's leagues away from the Steelers in every way, shape, and form. Most notably based off the fact that their Lombardi case has got nothing but dust and Termites, probably, because they still use an old wooden casing there or something, I'm sure. Uh, of course, because they built it, you know, in the 1960s when they thought they were going to get some. Yeah, and then, why would you have to update it? Because exactly. you're never going to put anything in it. Exactly. But, you know, it, it goes back to something that we've said in this podcast a million times. The Browns make bad decisions. And it's not even just this podcast. It's just everybody says yeah, that. Even I the mean, Browns have said that. Yeah. Oh, the coach said that for the love of humanity. Look, um, that that's where I think really this all kind of went wrong for Cleveland. It wasn't even just that coach either. Yeah. Bunch of their coaches have said that. But, I mean, Bill Belichick even said that, to <laughs> quote Pittsburgh Dad, so we don't get copyright striked. Uh, but anyway, and we're going to say that every time so that we don't get copyright striked. Exactly. But, look, that's kind of where these QB problems started with uh, Cleveland. And they've had plenty of QB problems. We're talking about these particular QB problems is they went for a quarterback with a, you know, finicky legal situation at the time. 
when they didn't need to go to that QB, they had a solid quarterback in their roster. When and they for, drafted Baker? No, 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 no. When they uh, picked up Deshaun Watson. Oh, okay. So we're back on that. Yeah. So, yeah. So get everybody back there. Uh, I, I still think the biggest part of their problems right now immediately started when they said, we don't want Baker Mayfield as our starter. We want Deshaun Watson. And, like, other teams should have honestly pushed for him a little bit more. Probably wishing, or uh, probably happy that they didn't at this point. But, uh, like, the Saints were pushing for him. The Steelers were pushing for him. And I am glad that we did not get him. I don't think it was the Steelers as much as the Steelers fan base. Well, yes, but the Steelers organization was talking to him. They did say that we, they did put offers in. But they put in a reasonable offer looking at his legal situation and Watson didn't want it that and they immediately pulled out that's that was the big thing and I know a lot of Steelers fans were actually annoyed by that they were like you should offer more but I I agree with what this uh organization did looking at it now because they put in an offer they said look you you'd help our team if you got the play but the situation around you is not looking good right now why would we want to bring that onto ourselves? Especially when you look at the Steelers in the last couple of years, we've had locker room problems. Yeah. This is the biggest locker room problem you could get. Yeah. So I think, I think the Steelers made literally the best decision they could have. And I think the Browns made a bad decision that yeah. they could have avoided. Uh, but you're looking at it now. You have a star quarterback that you tried to build an, or build a team around. A little bit in the offseason. Now, they had a great offense, and a lot of Browns fans and a lot of NFL fans will say that their offense was one of the highest caliber in the league. They were just missing a quarterback that was at that caliber. And I agree. Even in Baker Mayfield's prime, I don't think he was the exact quarterback they needed, but it was a quarterback that was good enough. And it, with Cleveland, good enough is actually amazing, yeah. okay? Like, that's like even Cleveland Browns fans would likely say that good enough is better than what they've dealt with their entire watch. To go back to my intro, I want everyone to think back to 2017 with a young man, young promising prospect coming out of college, Deshaun Kaiser. We all know how that went. But yeah, so I mean, and that's without mentioning Johnny Football. Yeah, geez. I mean, the Browns have had problems and they finally had a QB that was getting them out of their problems and they let him go and now you have a quarterback that honestly when he was in his prime and he still likely is in his prime but when he was playing That's for Houston seen, though right because right. Like, he's been off for probably like, what? and not really allowed to train with the team and it's been almost two years roughly like a, a little over like a year and a half yeah um, so you I mean you just have to wonder how that's gonna affect his play but we'll right. get into that in a little bit so that that's the thing. So you brought a guy in that the last time he played in the league led the league in passing yards. And on paper, when you look at the stats, it makes sense to bring him in uh, because, look, you have a stellar offense. The QB wasn't working as well as you hoped, so you bring in a new QB. On paper, like we just said, it works. But, again, you go back to everything we said before – when the QB you're bringing in is as controversial as the situation is, and you already have a quarterback that has been proven to get you to the playoffs that you've missed for many, many years, I just I don't think that's a gamble that they should have taken. And now, so Deshaun Watson is suspended for six games. 
and the NFL is trying to appeal that. Six games is a pretty hefty margin in there the NFL. 18 games in the season. That's a third of the season he's missing. Exactly. That, uh, 17 that, games, 18 weeks. Right. Okay, I'm sorry. But so so by that logic, even more than a third of the season. More than a third of the a season. A third of the season is more than enough to make or break teams' playoff chances. That's all. Exactly. And especially if it's at the beginning of the season. If you get in that and if you get into a hole and you have to dig yourself out, I mean, think about it. The, one of the big things that makes a solid team in the NFL is being above 500. Ha, winning more games than you lose. Say you start off 0-6 because you're missing a quarterback that you're building a team around. How hard is it to come back? I mean, look, nine ga- if you lose nine games, you automatically lose that shot at above 500 record. So if they go 0-6 and, and then they get Deshaun back, they can only lose three games. Or actually, they can't lose three games. They can only lose two more games if they want to have a 500 record. And having that pressure on your back as well is very difficult. Keep well, in mind that's a five hundred record. That's not even that playoff spot is not even in the question at that point. Exactly. I mean, ba- like you might make a wild card if you only lose six games. If you're but in again, a weak conference. So, like if that, if this was the NFC, I'd sit here and say like, okay, you start zero and six. If you come back nice and strong, you might be able to like push it because the NFC gave all their talent to the AFC for whatever stupid reason. Hey, thanks guys. Now we have to deal with that in our conference for yeah. the next couple, probably four or five years. So if it was the NFC, I'd say yeah, you have a shot. In this AFC. Heck no. I mean, we've talked about this plenty of times. We believe that there's honestly two playoff contenders in every single division. And if you look at the AFC West, or and I say at least two playoff contenders, because again, you look at the AFC West, there's four. There's four teams in that division, and there's four playoff teams in that division. So let's, let's take a look at this for a second. Four in the AFC West. Four in the AFC North, because we're going to count Cleveland, because Cleveland, assuming Watson comes back, he's a playoff caliber quarterback. I mean, there's no question about it. And we're going to obviously say the Steelers are playoff caliber because we trust them. Yeah. Okay, so that's eight right there. That's your, first of all, that's your whole playoff field filled out. Like that's Actually over, because there's only seven in the playoffs. And that's not even touching. AFC South, you could argue that there's only one. I'd say about two. I'd say Titans and Colts. Yeah. But, like, you can make the argument for only one. So let's let's pretend that there would only be one. Like, we can ignore the Colts for now, even though someone's going to toast us about that a couple months yeah. later. But we can ignore that for now. So that let's take one out of the AFC South Titans. There's still two, maybe three, in the AFC East. Patriots, Bills, Dolphins. Exactly. Putting Especially, aside I mean, the fact Tyreek that... Tyreek there. Yeah. Putting aside the fact that this makes me realize how tough of a season the Steelers are going to have, and I now want to go cry in a corner by myself in the dark... Imagine having all of that plus starting 0-6 in the season. Exactly. You're screwed. Because such a big part of how you get in the playoffs is how you do in your conference. How mm. many? I don't know how many of Cleveland's games, how many of those six are in starting in the conference. Five of their six games. Five of Cleveland's six starting games are in the conference. The only one that's not is their first game of the year against Carolina. Carolina. Which but is, that's a moral game right there because guess where Baker Mayfield ended up after Cleveland? Yeah. Carolina. So, could you imagine starting 0-6 and being 0-5 in the conference? That's practically a death sentence. So, you know what it, it like really kind of grinds my gears about this whole thing? Like, do you know how much they paid for Deshaun Watson? Draft capital? Actual physical money? And honestly, probably a little bit of their dignity too? 
A lot of money. Yeah. Why on earth would you not offer that for someone like Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers? What part of you thought that taking on a QB with that kind of baggage that Deshaun Watson has would be a better idea than taking on someone like Russell Wilson, who's probably still in his prime, albeit maybe leaning towards the end of his prime, but in his prime nonetheless, and even after he exits his prime, he'll still have plenty of good years after that. And he's been training for a a year and a half. Exactly. So, it's just, I don't know, I, I wonder what their front office was thinking, like genuinely, just because, like... I was thinking that going into this filming, but now that I'm saying it out loud, it even it sounds even more insane. Like, and this is like, because I don't know, Cleveland didn't trade for Watson that early into the offseason. Mm-hmm. And even then... It was late. Yeah. It was, because, I mean, that was one of the big things for the first, I'd say, three, four, maybe even five weeks of the offseason was, where is Deshaun Watson going to go? Mm-hmm. And this isn't starting, like, right when... The offseason started for the Browns, like, right after the regular season. Like, this is substantially after the Super Bowl. Like, they had even longer time to think about what's going on there. Because, really, for most of the teams, the offseason starts when the playoffs starts. And they don't make moves, but the front office starts thinking about what moves they are going to make in that time. Because, yes, they're going to watch the playoffs, they're going to watch the Super Bowl to see what's going on there. But... Mainly, they are thinking, okay, we didn't make it to the playoffs. What moves do we need to make to get there? So, really, they've been, they thought about this. I, at least we're assuming they thought about this, but it really doesn't it's seem like they did. I don't do that much thinking. But they had so much time to think about this and still made, really, as we're saying, the wrong decision. And look, you know, we could sit here and argue all day about whether or not Watson pays off for them down the line. Because he's only what he was drafted in twenty seventeen by the Texans yeah. as well. So ah, same year Browns drafted Deshaun Kaiser. You could have had him in twenty seventeen, but you know whatever. I'm gonna get over that joke. But like, so he's what this twenty twenty two. He's five years into his career. Quarterbacks play probably what ten twelve years, like on average, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, like the the good quarterbacks, let's say, will play ten twelve <laughs> years. Watson's a good quarterback, so you know there's a potential that he could be a phenomenal quarterback for them. You know, for down the line, and yeah, an extra bunch of years, but at the same time, you also have to consider like, what if he's not? Mm-hmm. You know how much time and money you wasted on him on a like on a chance, and of course, that's the same with every quarterback. Like, oh, what if he's not good on our team? That's fine, but like now you have to wait and see even after the season starts. So not only are you shooting yourself in the foot for this season, you might be shooting yourself in the foot for all these seasons down the line. And going on to that, I think one of the other things, just looking at it from a purely off-season and honestly, like, money standpoint, you talked about it earlier. Think about how much money they paid him. That's a lot of cap space that they just threw at him right now. Almost all of his contract is guaranteed. Exactly. So this, And that's why he went. He wanted the guaranteed money. He didn't want the, you get this if you play so many games money. Because he even knew that there was going to be some sort of suspension. I, I, like, look, even in the, the allegations, I don't care if they're uh, real, if they're fake, you have this many allegations on you, the suspension was inevitable. Especially with the timeline that was it, it was going into. We knew it wasn't going to be resolved in court to have a verdict, so it we knew it would come down to a suspension. Um and that's why he wanted the guaranteed money, because he wanted to get paid whether he was playing or not. 
And that's another thing that the Browns, I think, screwed up on, is they should have made it less guaranteed money. Uh, But again, going away from that, but just thinking about the amount of money that they gave him, and we talked about it earlier, the amount of star power they have on this team. They've got Miles Garrett. They've got one of the best offensive lines in the league with uh, Jack Conklin, with Jedrick Wills, with Joel Batonio. You also have one of the highest paid corners in the league now with Denzel Ward. Think about how much money they gave to Ward, Watson, Garrett in the last couple years. And think about how many of their star players might actually be nearing the end of their contracts. Will they have enough money to bring them back? And this is the big thing. I think this is Chubbs last year on his rookie contract. If, well, that's, yeah, exactly. If the Browns, if their biggest star powers, like Chubb, like uh, Garrett, like their offensive line. They just paid Garrett, so Garrett's good for a couple more years. But right, if some of these big players, though, are nearing the end of their contract, and they gave so much of their money away in this offseason, guaranteed, will they have enough money to bring players like Nick Chubb back on their team? I wouldn't say it's very likely. And that's that's the big thing. If this season doesn't go well, do they now have enough money and enough resources to keep this great team for Watson there? Here's the thing. This is trading for Watson is quite literally not obviously literally, but it's feels a lot like a deal with the devil. Because mm-hmm. like you're taking on this guy, you gave him all that guaranteed money. If this doesn't go well, you're not trading him. Mm-mm. You can't, And cutting him will not help either. You'll still have to pay him all that money you promised him. So if you're a Browns fan, you better hope and pray with all your might that this goes well. Because if it doesn't, it, it will be right back to 2017. I think looking at all of this now, as this, I think the scariest thing for Browns fans should be that the NFL is making an appeal to get more games and the fact that six games is what it is right now, but we really don't know how many it's actually going to be. And since the NFL itself is making an appeal, I'm willing to bet it will be more. I agree. Um, but it's, again, I would think probably around 10, 10, maybe yeah. 12. We are assuming that it will only be the first six games. But yeah, I mean, really, in all likelihood, it's going to be more than that. It's, it's, the thing is, it's, even if it is just a six, man. They've got who's their backup right now? I think it's they Josh just, Rosen. They just added Josh Rosen. I don't know hmm. if anybody remembers Josh Rosen, but you're probably not going to win too much with Josh Rosen, especially when their opponents are some pretty stout contenders. Yeah. But now talking about the carousel that you mentioned earlier in the intro, you actually have three backup quarterbacks. You have Josh Rosen, Jacoby Brissett, and Case Keenum. And I, I know start Case Keenum. Even if you're not a Steelers fan, but if you're a Steelers fan, you know a little bit about this as well. If from... you're a Steelers fan, you better be laughing your ass off at Cleveland <laughs> right now because this is absolutely hilarious. And I am so glad that they have, from a, from a Steelers fan's perspective, mm. I've never been happier with a Cleveland Browns decision in my entire yeah. life. I mean, again, like we said, they shot themselves in the foot, but since we're their rivals... But this rivals, isn't like a pistol. It... This is like you took a whole ass bazooka, aimed it at your foot, and said, let's see what happens. I mean, <laughs> look, I I think it's just... The whole situation is just, frankly, sad. Looking at this whole situation, it's it's honestly sad just because of all of the legal trouble that went around with it. But 
like we've broke down in this whole episode, the Browns did it to themselves. Yep. It was avoidable, but misery in this is this is what I'm ending this segment with, honestly. Misery doesn't find the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> Cleveland finds misery <laughs> and, and and abducts it. Yeah. And uses it later. And freaking clones it like it's the episode two of Star Wars in one of them giant containers. All of a sudden, Kevin Stefanski come in looking at, what is this? It's just an army of freaking disappointment machines. <laughs> exactly. I mean, guys, um, just moral of the story, look forward to a, another disappointing season for Cleveland. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of things that are disappointing... Even though he's the opposite of disappointing. Moving into the next segment, Chris Boswell got a nice, hefty extension from the Steelers. Especially for extension. a kicker. Oh, yeah. It's worth like $70 million. Something like that. But, I mean, it makes a whole lot of sense. He's, I believe, fourth in the league for all time. Or fourth all time for kicking percentage. Like, fourth most accurate kicker of all time. Uh, I just looked that up, so that is true. <laughs> Um, I mean, also, he, I think he had one season where he was bad. He had like a sixty-five percent. Everything I else, that season. Everything else has been over eighty-five. I, I, there were so like looking back at it now, there were so many hilarious jokes about him. I, if you want a good joke about it, just watch all of the Pittsburgh Dad videos on YouTube from that season mm-hmm. because he absolutely toasts that man. Frankly, he deserved it. He was kicking yeah. like garbage. But it was it's so funny looking back on it. Look, but I, I will say, in the rest of his seasons, I think he's more than made up for it. Oh, yeah, I mean, to, to have some of the best seasons in kicker history and then have one bad season. I mean, I'd rather have that one bad season than have him, you know, be like Justin Tucker. And I'm going to say this, where Justin Tucker is a beast in the regular season. But Baltimore fans will tell you, he doesn't always deliver in the postseason. They will not tell you. They'll just sit there and pout about it. Never mind. Over. Steelers fans will tell Baltimore fans <laughs> about it. Yes, they will. We'll tell them over and over and over again until their ears bleed. No, but honestly, you know, looking at Boswell, I think he's going to... I feel like he's on a Hall of Fame pa- on a Hall of Fame course. And honestly, 100%. he should not just get an award from the NFL. He should get an award from the Red Cross. If anyone remembers the 2015 game against Cincinnati in the wind and the rain, players are getting carted off like it's the first couple minutes of Saving Private Ryan. I, he ended the bloodshed when he kicked that field goal and ended the game. Yeah. He single-handedly stopped any more men from going down. So he better earn a medal of honor for that kick in that game. But uh, I think that's pretty much all for Chris Boswell. Just uh, Look, he's had an incredible career with the Steelers. Uh, there was a time where he was a part of the Killer Bees. And the fact that we're getting him for another four years is honestly, I think, one of the best moves. Um, because, look, he's been so reliable for, what, he's played seven years with the Steelers? Yep. He's been a reliable kicker for six, and I will take that. Yep. And uh, if we get him for four more years, let's say it's a similar ratio and he's reliable for three of them, I will take that. I will also take that. So, uh, Boz also... If you ever see this, I don't know if you will, but if you ever see this, congrats to you, my man. Best kicker yep. I've ever seen. Screw Justin Tucker. 
So uh, next thing that we want to go into, though, is the just a little bit going into training camp. Uh, there's been some news coming out of there. So some of the coaches have said that Mason Rudolph actually has a good chance of starting. And we've talked about this before that so many people have been ranking him too high. And uh, I, now even the coaches seem to be doing that. And I still look, they're the coaches. They're working with him. I still disagree. We've seen him over and over. He's mediocre. Like he's like Marcus Mariota. Like he could win games if he won, if he like tried, like if he really tried. But that's he's never gonna win you a Super Bowl. And I saw the article. I don't remember who it was by. It might have been Steelers Wire that said that um, one of their coordinators said that Rudolph had a really good chance to win the starting job. I texted Zach immediately. I was like, dude, if Rudolph starts this season, we are screwed. Exactly. And look, he's the only one of the four quarterbacks that we have on the roster, at least right now, to have actually played for the Steelers. So I think some of the people, some of the coaches are like, you know what, he's the only one that's been a Steeler. He's the only one that's won actual games for us. Uh, he, he's kind of proven himself. I'm like, no, he hasn't. Because he's still, he's the only one that's actually played games for you. But he's still lost more games than he's won. And he he's the reason we tied the worst team in the league last year. I mean... I actually think his win ratio, his win-loss ratio is slightly above 500. Really? It's like, it's close, but I'm pretty sure he has more wins. Look, if that's true, the only reason is because, uh, either one, our defense, 2019 was dumb luck. That too. Um, but in that season, he was benched for our third string that then got picked up by the Canadian Football League. He was benched for a quarterback named after a farm animal. Quack, quack. No, but, I mean, look, I, I think that Trubisky should probably start the season. Yep. Just, I mean, he's the most veteran present. He's the only player that's gone to the playoffs or gotten his team to the playoffs. And, you I mean... You wonder if he'll be good outside of Chicago because we all know what a hellhole Chicago is. Exactly. You have a coach that recently got fired because he sucked. And this man managed to go to the playoffs with a coach that got fired because he sucked. Mike Tomlin has been one of the most consistent and one of the best coaches in NFL history. And we have a solid offensive coach right now. And a lot of people will disagree because of last season. But honestly, I think as much as I adore Ben Roethlisberger, that was a little bit more because Ben didn't fit our new offensive scheme. Less about the fact that our offensive scheme was totally bad. So I'm I'm willing to take this a little bit unproven but solid offensive coordinator with a quarterback that has a great and young roster around him. I mean, I'm willing to take that over somebody who has proven that he can't win us games. And even if Trubisky's only around for a couple years, like, you know, Pickett can develop in that time. Exactly. Because reports have been coming out of training camp that Pickett's a little bit inconsistent. Granted, that's because he's with the... It might be because he's with the third-string team, which I don't really know how that works, but... But yeah, if you you're gonna if you're a quarterback, I'd say yes, it is on you to develop the plays and to make everything go better. But if you have lackluster talent around you, to an extent, you are going to play like the people around you. Yeah. And I think that's part of it. Like, there's been 
things that there's been uh, inconsistencies with, uh, who knows where they're going. And so what I mean by that is, uh, like, inconsistencies in the routes where a receiver will run a certain route, Pickett will throw it to where he thinks he's going to go, but they're off target and they're they're not really in sync. But this is what training camp is for to get everybody exactly. like in sync with each other. But is that entirely on the quarterback, or is that more on the wide receiver? Who was actually right in that yeah. situation? That or that info is not coming out. So I think just basing this off of training camp, especially training camp when the quarterback in question is training with the third string team. If you're again, if you're training with the third string team, how reliable is? the team around you. And honestly, a team like the Steelers is, doesn't draft a guy in the first round if they don't think he's going to be good. Exactly. So, I think that even if Pickett needs to sit a couple years, then, like, you know, he let him sit. Because I feel like Trubisky... I say this with a grain of salt just because I know how Trubisky's been in the past. He... Trubisky's had a year to sit behind Josh Allen, one of the best quarterbacks in the football. He was in a good system in Buffalo. Now he's coming to Pittsburgh where he's got a chance to actually showcase his growth so even if he can just hold us over for a couple years and if he can't hold us over even just for this season fine you know we'll deal with that then but he that's could, why I, mean, we have... I personally think he's still gonna get benched after like week six like mm-hmm. that's my personal take but i'm also open to being pleasantly surprised yeah but that's also why we have three other quarterbacks on yeah. the roster and well, it's probably just gonna end up being two well right but i as much as i freaking sent to the xf yeah. or something but as much as I don't like Mason Rudolph and don't want him to get the starting job, I also understand that having somebody who has played in the NFL that has won games like Mason Rudolph, it's good to have him as a backup, but not a starter when we've seen what he can do as a starter, and yep. it's not good. It hasn't elevated us to the next level. Zach, it is that time of the week again. Tell us your hot take. Yeah, so hot take of the week, going back to the Cleveland controversy. I believe Cleveland Browns have majorly shot themselves in the foot. Like Dill said earlier, freaking bazooka blast right there. And it will hurt. And that pain will come with a 0-6 record. So that's what I was saying earlier about we will just stick with the fact that it will start out 0-6 with only six games as a suspension because that's what we know right now. Obviously, things can change and things likely will change. But we are going with the six games right now. And so, I believe they will start out 0-6. Starting off, they start in Carolina against their old quarterback, Maker Mayfield. And you know what? It might be because I go to school in Charlotte and uh, I'm a tad little bit of a Panthers fan right now, but I think the Panthers are definitely going to beat them there. Panthers have a stout defense that I think maybe it's not better than Cleveland's defense right now, but it is definitely better than whoever they are going to have at quarterback filling in for Deshaun Watson. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have J.C. Horn back, who is going to be able to pick off most passes thrown his way, especially, again, by whoever's playing quarterback. And you have a stout defensive line that will pummel the quarterback anytime they get the chance also you've got a young offense with baker mayfield who again is not amazing by any feat but he is playing a revenge game at the beginning of the season knowing full well that the team that he's trying to get revenge on they're the quarterback that they gave 
him away for is no longer playing at this moment. He's going to be on top of the world, and he's going to use that to beat this team. Next, you have the Jets, and a lot of people are going to be interested about this one. The Jets made some, honestly, some of the best draft moves of the year. The Jets likely had one of the best drafts, if not the best draft, this NFL offseason. And I think Zach Wilson is honestly a, a good quarterback. I think he was just on the old Jets. And that's why he sucks. He showed some really promising tapes. So he's he's shown some promising things there. But look, I think Zach Wilson has the skills to beat this team. And I think this defense, I mean, Quinn Williams and uh, Quincy Williams, they're two of the best defenders in the league, honestly. Uh, maybe not like top five, top 10, but they're definitely top 15, top 20 for their position. Um, probably even higher for their exact positions. And I think that's going to be a big factor. And I think the I think Browns are going to put up a good fight. But I think the Jets are on a resurgence. I think the Jets are going to have one of their better seasons. Uh, they're not going to break 500. Um, but I think they're going to at least win four games. And I think this is going to be the first one they win. Uh, they play the Steelers third. And look, Steelers defense, or whatever quarterback they have in there, they are going to pick them apart easy. I mean, T.J. Watt, another hot take and prediction here, T.J. Watt is going to have over four sacks in this game. T.J. Watt is going to see this as the biggest one of the biggest opportunities of his life, and he has beat up uh, Brown's quarterbacks before. Imagine one that doesn't play him often and won't see it coming. So Steelers are going to eat them up mainly on defense. Uh, then you look at the Falcons. Falcons are another game that, you know, it's – it's hard to say because the Falcons aren't looking as good this year. But I think the Falcons are going to pull it out in a hard game. Um, plus the fact that they are playing this game in Atlanta. I think that's the biggest thing. Atlanta with a home field advantage against a rickety uh, Browns team. I'm going to take Atlanta. And the next two are... I think easy ones for everybody to understand. You got the Chargers and you got the Patriots. Hold on. Before you go, I want to correct something. I completely misread that Atlanta was one of their first six games. I thought that was somehow, I thought it was Miami. So their first six games are do not have five conference rivals. They have it's four. four. Which doesn't really change a lot about what we said. It's just the numbers slightly lower. Yeah. But last two games, Chargers and Patriots. And that is going to that's going to hurt. Uh, I think that's really going to that's going to be the last two nails in the coffin there. Uh, Chargers. I mean, with what they did on defense, they started with Joey Bosa, and then they added Khalil Mack, and they added J.C. Jackson, and they also have Derwin James on that roster. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if the Browns actually put up zero points in this game against yep. them. Uh, and then you have Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen and uh, friggin' Austin Eckler on the other side. You're not going to stop this team. Um, and then the Patriots. I mean, I don't like to say that the Patriots are going to win anything because it's the Patriots and I also hate them. But you can't doubt that this Patriots defense will walk all over this Cleveland offense at the moment. So, yeah. Uh that's my prediction. So when we said it's looking like 
they're going to go back to 2017. Well, at least for the first six games, it looks like they will. So, yeah, so stay tuned for this NFL season to see if we are right and the Cleveland Browns do, in fact, bring back a little little bit of 2017 for you. But uh, before we end it, uh, we would like to say that this podcast was recorded before the Hall of Fame game. And uh, we will touch a little bit on the Hall of Fame game in our next episode and also use that to talk about what we think it means for the NFL preseason and what we are looking for in the Steelers preseason going into the 2022 NFL season. So stay tuned for that. uh, And that will come out next week. And... uh, We are going to end this podcast the way that Steelers fans end every day. Here Here we we go, go, Steelers. Steelers. Here Here we we go. go.